Welcome to the Sports the Show. I'm DJ Pat Nasty, and I'm here with Malcolm Marzette. And we've got a great edition of the Sports the Show for you guys today. Uh, sorry about the one episode last week. We're going to be back and better than ever this week. Full three episodes schedule this week. So be on the lookout for us. Uh, you're listening to us now. If you are dropping Tuesday, and we'll have the second show dropping Thursday, third show dropping Saturday. But with all of that said, let's get to one of the bigger stories from the weekend in college football. We'll start there instead of the pros as usual. Uh, we had Colorado and Oregon playing last Saturday in a huge ranked opponent uh, showdown against between Oregon and Colorado. First time for Colorado in quite some time that they had this big of a game uh, on that big of a stage, and they were just destroyed from the opening possession throughout the game. But if you didn't know with the background of this uh, story of Colorado, you have Deion Sanders coaching there in his first year, bringing on 53 new players, the most of any coach uh, in recent history. I don't know of any coach that had brought a full team with him to the new team, but uh, amazing athletes, amazing talent players, three and O start against three uh, talented teams in TCU, Nebraska, and then a tough, tough home game against the in-state rival in Colorado state. Uh, we all knew that there were going to be some bumps in this road, uh, but facing Oregon, really the first, uh, power team outside of TCU they faced. And TCU was in the national championship game last year. So they have faced, you know, talent that has been somewhere. But this Oregon team was by far, far the largest sized team they had played. They have a quarterback who is in like his 10th year in college, Bo Nix. He used to play at, at Auburn transferred to Oregon, Heisman candidate, uh, incredible quarterback on the college level, really good ball. And uh, you have an offense that has one of the stronger offensive lines in the entire conference of the Pac-12, which just happens to be the best conference in college football this year right now. Uh, so Oregon, perennial powerhouse, Malcolm, in the Pac-12, you've, as you're, Pac-12, uh, you know, influence on the show. You are our Mr. Pac-12. You're out there. You're in the streets of the 12. It's now the two-pack, as people have coined it, with the remaining two Pac-12 teams. So it's the Pac-2. But the Buffaloes, they've moved around from conference to conference in our lifetime. They've been in the Big 12. They've moved from Big 12 to Pac-10, Pac-12. Uh, and now they are, you know, still kind of in the ether, if you will, and just transitioning conferences. But their identity in general, outside of their championship run in the 90s, has been an identity of obscurity in our lifetime, really. Outside of Cordell Stewart, we don't have too many Buffaloes to hang our hats on in terms of players we remember fondly in our generation, Malcolm. Would you agree with that? Most definitely. But with this team, we immediately have shining star power in Shadur Sanders and uh, Travis Henry with what he was able to do um, in the last few weeks' games. He was injured in Colorado State, uh, having suffered, I believe it was a chest injury. Uh Last Serrated his liver. His liver, yes. I knew it was a chest or abdominal injury, but yeah, he was violently struck uh, there. But he has been a huge part of this Colorado offense and defense as he is a two-star player uh, or a two-way player, Travis Hunter, excuse me. Uh, 
Travis Hunter, you know, he played more snaps than anyone by playing both sides of the ball every snap, basically, uh, this season. But his injury really definitely affected them. But I don't think they would have necessarily won with him on the field. I think it could have given them a few sparks to actually score a few more times than they did. Uh, 42 to 6, it was, I believe, uh, 30... Yeah, it was 35 to nothing by the half. Then Oregon only managed one more touchdown in the third quarter. Uh, You had Dan Lanning, the coach for Oregon, saying to his team before the game, they are playing for clicks. We're playing for wins. This isn't written in Hollywood. Typical coaching pregame stuff, but, you know, really honing in on the media wow factor with Colorado and well-deserved for Colorado. Again, in this story, this is a team that went 3-0 and after going 1-11 and last year. And yes, you can point to other teams that have turned around from two-win and three-win seasons to having a 10-win season. But it's not that often, and it's pretty spectacular. And it's really spectacular with the amount of intense scrutiny leveled against these players from the offseason just coming into the season with people saying they weren't going to win a game. Uh, But anyways, to the game itself, Malcolm, I just felt like, and we were talking about this in our chat after the game, it just, to me, there was a huge size difference on both lines of scrimmage for Colorado. Interior linemen for Colorado on offense and defense, both I think they don't really even have a player over 300 pounds. If they do, I didn't see him. Uh, But they just don't seem to have the interior talent, you know, closest to the ball that you need to give Shadur Sanders time. I mean, he was sacked seven times in the first half, and they weren't all his fault. You know, one or two sacks, he did hold the ball a little too long. But this is a kid that has incredible arm strength, incredible talent, accuracy, all of the intangibles you want for a rising quarterback star. But, (coughs) excuse me, if you don't have a line that can protect your star asset, you're not going to make it very far in this league of college football where these teams that are competing for championships have 350 plus pound men on their both lines of scrimmage that can run a, you know, 40 yard dash under five seconds. Uh, So my question to you with this, Malcolm, uh, before we get into it a little bit more about it, do you think this win for Oregon, this dominant performance they showed, is a sign of more like this to come with some of these tougher teams on Colorado's upcoming schedule? Or do you think that the Buffaloes will be able to bounce back and have a, you know, actually a winning season? Because we talked about, I said they would be lucky to go six and seven is what I was giving them. And before you give your answer, here's their upcoming schedule. USC versus Colorado on the 30th. Colorado at ASU, October 7th. Stanford at Colorado. Colorado at UCLA, October 28th. Oregon State at Colorado, November 4th. Arizona at Colorado, November 11th. Colorado at Washington State, November 17th. And then the final game of the season, Colorado at a very strong Utah Utes, November 25th. How many wins are you giving them? And how do you think their season's going to fare, Malcolm? Um, before I dive into them, I, I believe they'll bounce back, but I want to comment on the, the clicks uh, for wins comment. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems a little... Um, bit of hypocrisy there when you invite cameras into the locker room. Oh yeah. No, Dan Lanning's statement was for clicks. He got the clicks. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. That's clear as day. Then a little bit on the game. um, I was just slightly shocked just as far as like 
there's a little bit of honor and respect that goes. If you're coaching a team, I'm coaching a team, I'm blowing you out. I'm not going to go for it on fourth down when I'm up 30 on you, 30 plus yeah. on you. And I thought that was a little bit of a, just a, a little bit of lacking class because normally Oregon is the cream of the Pac-12. Them and yeah. USC usually are the teams that kind of set the tone for a little bit of class amongst the teams because it is college football. There's nothing to be embarrassed about being blown out. It happens all the time. Um, and I'm I'm really interested to see Warren Sapp and the rest of Dion's influence or Coach Prime's influence on the rest of the, his recruiting class as it moves forward. I think a lot of the young players will want to avenge this type of loss. They yeah. won't they won't forget this. Yeah. Um, but I believe uh Colorado will bounce back once Hunter gets back. Now, this USC game to me is one that'll be caused to pause just because of the talent offensively USC has. And the last game, Utah, and I think potentially the U of A game may be a trap game, but I think we'll just lay down because we're the basketball university. But I mean, we're, not, we're not football. Oregon's, so I got three losses for them. You don't. Uh, so you the think the they way. can beat Washington State and Oregon State, both of which are in the top 20 and are right now on fire. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they just played each other last week. Or no, excuse me. Yeah, no, they played Saturday, and it was 38-35 Washington State in Washington State. Um, no, I'm, I'm paying supreme attention to the Pac-12. To me, this is well, I know, possibly but, the best year as a conference they've had in the last decade. Uh, just amongst talent they played outside of conference just as a whole. Um, but well, it a hundred percent is. Me, yeah. No, the, this the two is the to best me are you, are Utah and USC. I think the rest of the competition, they'll be able to have a solid shootout with and be able to edge them out. It's not going to be easy by any shape of the form, but I believe um, with Shadur Sanders and then getting Hunter back. And I think this also is a little bit of the wake up call for the staff um for the fan base as well as some of the players as well to understand that this is not going to be a clean sweep so it, it's nice for them to get a little taste of their medicine of, of a loss so that they know that how there's there is a sense of urgency that they need to play with they need to start fast they need to limit as many mistakes as possible because they do not have the overall depth that the most of the teams they're playing against. Well, not so. even just the depth. Let's let's talk specifically about the size of these players, mm -hmm. Malcolm. Do you think that those very because these are players that are quite undersized uh, for their position, and I just don't see how you can match and overcome size when you are in the offensive line. I just don't see how that the, the O-line is able to overcome a larger defensive line coming at them. Oh, I, I do understand it. Uh, the rest of these teams aren't Oregon. The only two teams that I think are comparable with Oregon on that level of efficiency, when it, even when it comes to size, will be U, USC and Utah. They're the ones that have a supreme talent and larger peak players and strength. Uh, the rest of the teams, to me, it, it doesn't even if they're bigger, it doesn't seem that their efficiency is at the level which Colorado is playing at. Because even when you look back into the film and you were looking at TCU or you were looking at Nebraska, they have the same size players as some of these teams like UCLA and Oregon State. But the efficiency is not there. Now, I'm not saying that the whole Pac-12 as a whole won't have the efficiency. I'm just saying that. Because of this loss, the sense of urgency will be raised with Colorado. And I, I believe, I really do believe they'll be able to uh, bounce back from this loss. That, that's just my opinion on, yeah. on it. We, we'll have to wait and see. But the two losses that I see on their schedules that I, I, I feel that are confirmed uh, are Utah and USC. The rest, I think they'll give them a puncher's chance. Just, just on the way the coaching is, just on the way the, the caliber of players on their efficiency. Um, the Pac-12 tends to beat itself up very similar to the uh, SEC. 
they're going to take losses as well. They're going to beat each other up. I mean, we just saw Oregon State and Washington beat each other up as well. So it's going to happen. There's going to be a leveling off as we go deeper and deeper into the fall. Yeah, I just, you know, it's just for me with, again, the size is the biggest because it's when you're playing with, you know, a certain age group of like, let's just be honest, kids. That's, you know, when you're 17 to 21, that's what you are, unless you're Bo Nix and you're almost 30, you know. But, I mean, we're looking at a, you know, just height difference and size difference that I think a lot of people, like, so for instance, you have one of uh, the offensive line for Oregon, is 62320 and i'm sure the 62 player is the center so it only gets gradually larger as you go for out. colorado they have offensive tackle 66 300 pounds 62260 64310 64255 which is really light for a goal right that's what i'm saying it's light but it's not so huge of a gap i know i agree with you on they're gonna have to get these interior offensive and defensive linemen they just seem shorter and smaller to me six five two eighty like you shouldn't have you shouldn't have an alignment or an outside linebacker at six six two ten that dude's anemic like you know that's that's all i'm saying is i just don't see a continued success rate against teams that are already in the top 10 because Oregon was in the top 10. USC's in the top 10. Utah's in the top 10. Mm-hmm. If they're getting blown out by that much, and this could be a barometer check with USC, if they can get some points on the board, make some moves, I may reconsider. But if they get blown out and lose by 30 to USC, I can't give them a win to Washington State. I gave them wins against every unranked opponent. Because I give them win, like I say, I'm going to give them the only losses I see that are definitive and they could and they might be potential blowouts are Utah and USC. The rest, I'm going to give them a puncher's chance all the way out. I just, you know, with Washington State in Washington State at 1030 at night, that's it's a tough, be cold. That's a tough place to play in the middle of November, man. I don't know if they're ready for that, but, but they're Colorado. <laughs> It's well, not that, like it's hot, Colorado. Well, I'm just <laughs> you know saying, what I mean? but also with that, but I, agree Colorado, with the, I, I agree with the weight. I think their Colorado is a good viewpoint and a good, a good verbal, accurate statement, summarizing everything about Colorado. You could say they're Colorado about anything. They're winning now. They're losing now. No, you know, no, like no, 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 Colorado. I'm saying about the weather. Oh, I I'm know. talking about specifically the weather. Oh, statement. I know you're not, talking not, about not the weather. Them. I'm talking not about their Colorado. They, you could be surprised. Or say it, it's so much right now crossing over. It's very polarizing. Like it you could, it, it's really, you could have any position on them, uh, but you're going to have a position on them. So I'm going to roll with them. I'm going to roll with them. I'm not going to, I'm not going to leave two yet, but uh, the two losses that I think could get ugly are that USC and Utah. Those are the ones that are going to be really, you're going to hear the same statement kind of, he speaks for all of us type of crew that we saw jumping on Twitter instantly comparing. Oh, yeah. No, we know Steve that. Sanders to we Jamarcus know, Russell. We know. How are they going to compare him to Jamarcus Russell? That's, that's just We know there are like, people wow. just praying for Dion's downfall <laughs> that have hated Dion since he was at Florida State. <laughs> that's given. But just in general, I think more realistically, it's going to be about an even finish for them. Um, but who knows? They could come back and uh, they could stun the world they already have you know but uh moving to the pro league where Shadur will find himself most likely in the next year or two i think mm-hmm. it's probably two years i don't think he's going this year but no, no, definitely next year definitely uh, a top pick for sure yeah but we had a great slate of games uh, Thursday through Sunday. We got the Monday night games tonight, Eagles versus Bucks, and 
Rams versus Bengals. Both of those games are going to be fun to watch. Two very interesting storylines going through both of those games. Uh, And we'll get to a preview of the Thursday night game here a little bit later. But first, I want to get to some games from over the weekend. So, Malcolm, I'm going to pick three games and you're going to pick three games and we're going to dissect them a little bit closer uh, because we don't have the time to go through the whole slate. But I'll start us off with uh, my first game, the Falcons and Lions, which I had as my game of the week pick. I was really excited for this game. Let down per usual. It's the Falcons. Uh, I thought we could go in there. And yes, I will be speaking from a Homer super fan position with we. I thought we could go in there and have some capability with the giant size of our defensive line uh, Mm -hmm. to prevent the run a little bit easier than what we did. And, you know, at first it was working well, uh, stuffing the run at at the beginning of the game. But Jared Goff getting more comfortable in his rhythm uh, ended up. Uh, throwing the ball quite well, 22 of 33 for 243, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, but Amon Ross St. Brown, that guy is incredible. Uh, nine receptions for 102 yards, 11 yards of reception, guaranteed first down, basically, when you throw to Amon Ra. Our defense was so on their heels with the passing attack that was happening even though we have one of the better secondaries I've seen in Atlanta and probably um, <coughs> since the Super Bowl run, um, we just didn't have anything that could stop them. And, I mean, this was a 2-0 and Atlanta team that I felt justly was 2-0. and I don't think we, you know, slipped by in either game, but uh, it just wasn't the greatest outlook at the end of the game when – you know, the running game's all but given up, and we've got Bijan Robinson run at the running back position. I mean, you're not three scores down. You're not four scores down. Why aren't you trying to still establish something on the ground? Tyler Algier, nothing going for him, averaging 1.7 yards a carry on seven carries for 12 yards. Bijan... 10 carries, 33 yards, 3.3 yards a carry. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Not enough carries for him. He needs a little bit more touches. And even in the receiving game, only four receptions for 27 yards. This is someone that could get in the space and make plays. Mm -hmm. You know, really the only bright spot on offense was Drake London's two catches. But he needs to – they need to get the volume to him up. It's just you saw – 10 receptions combined between the two tight ends, which is ridiculous. You don't do that as a passing offense ever. Like it just shows how inept Desmond Ritter. I shouldn't say inept. He lacks the weapons in his own throwing ability to make the plays that we need to be made with the skill players that we have. And he's hindering us right now through that loss. Can he get better? Yes. But I mean, 21 of 38 for 201 yards. We threw the ball 38 times. And 10 of the receptions out of the 21 were two two tight ends. And Kyle Pitts is clearly still dealing with a lingering injury. I mean, it's as clear as day. He's up limping on the first go route that Desmond Ritter overthrew him in the first drive of the game. I mean, these are clear as day things, and I don't know if the Falcons are going to fix them, what's going to come after that. Uh, Luckily for us, every team has lost in the NFC South, and hopefully the Bucs can lose tonight as well. They will. But it's still good. It's still good. It's the NFC South. It's still it's, good. Just keep going. It's a tough, tough situation right now. Uh, but Detroit, they're looking strong again. I think they're a dark horse. But Malcolm, how did you feel about this game? And do you think, 
you can go whichever way you want in your storyline, but just with my Falcons, I always like to know about my Falcons. Do you think that this team can actually make the playoffs with Desmond Ritter? Oh, absolutely. It's it's because it's not because of Desmond Ritter. It's because of the lack of talent throughout the rest of the division. And they're just a fortunate team that Bijan Robinson is playing so well and that the defense Honestly, the secondary just kind of had a bad game, honestly, especially they're good. I mean, it's not the Dante Hall. But A.J. Terrell is our best cornerback since Dante Hall. Right. And And and, Dante Hall was burnt toast on a lot of plays. He was go for broke. You have Jay Cutler throw five touchdowns on him, and then he'd get five interceptions in one game against Jay Cutler the next week. So... I I think it's more I would lean more towards similar to Colorado situation, a, a wake up call saying like, look, when we get into these positions where it is time management and we need to situation play situational football, uh, Desmond Ritter has to step up to the plate or make the adjustment at the line and say, all right, Bijan, if you're not getting the runs, then we need to pass it to you in the flat or we need to do screens. If, if Kyle Pitts is injured, then let's not Kyle Pitts. Well, that's what's worked down. the last two weeks. Like what you're well, describing is exactly <laughs> what got us to two and oh, and that's what I'm saying. Why didn't we do that? Why didn't we do that? What was the point? Um, it's just a mistake. I would say a bad game. I have to I have to give it to him lightly. This was a bad game as far as situational football. Do you think the team made, lost it or the coach lost it? Um, I believe the coach lost it. Definitely the offensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator should have made these adjustments at the half. Well, that's as, well him. As, the defense, as well as the defensive coordinator should have made, should have pressed the offensive coordinator. Well, that's Arthur Smith. He's Mr. Tennessee Titan, Derrick Henry, Mr. Factor back. Right. And what the hell is he doing with our factor back? I, I don't know. It, it, it's almost like when things are too good to be true, they just shy away from him. Obviously, Bijan, when you pass out of the backfield, no one can touch him one on one. No player in the every player in the NFL gets their ankles broke by Bijan. So now they they just gotta reset, look forward, understand that they're still in the driver's seat in the NFC South, and I think they will host a playoff game by default because they'll win yeah. the division. Well, I hope so, but I, I should do about nothing. And still got know, Miami. The Lions, Miami. the Lions are a really good team, so that I have some solace yeah. in that. But I was just very excited with a two and zero start. If we would have gotten to three and zero. It would have been the first time in over a decade. It would have been great. Dude, uh, Arthur Blank is not is not frustrated. He he's, sees Bijan. Arthur he's Blank out. is Mr. Blank Check. That's what he is. He's just giving yeah. blank checks out and trying to get it done, but we'll see what happens. But Bijan's uh, getting paid. Best believe it. It's already it's already done. But talking about the NFC South, the NFC South this year combined, Malcolm, mm-hmm. have not good. have not scored the point total of the team we're about to talk about, the Miami Dolphins, yep. who scored yep. 70 mm-hmm. on the Denver Broncos. Video game numbers. There are multiple teams that have not scored 70 points. Not one team in the NFC South has scored 70 points this season through three weeks. <laughs> you haven't had a single, like, there's a few other conferences. I don't have the information in front of me or divisions rather, but the Dolphins point total was the highest point total we've seen in a game in the Super Bowl era, but it was the highest point total we've seen since I believe 1960 and the highest yardage total since I believe 59 or 60 or 61. So we're talking about the best game anyone's seen in the Super Bowl era, an offense play. And they were white i had them because i have youtube sunday ticket with red zone so i get a nice quad box my whole sunday for smoking man and show business four, right there four screens i got one with chris hansen in the top left i got mm-hmm. my falcons or whatever this is over here and then i got two games a la carte of my choosing uh but i kept that dolphins game on just because 
watching Tua work was just beautiful, Malcolm. That has been incredible to see. He's everything we've talked about. He can be when healthy and when upright. And you see what this team can do against a defense that, again, we've talked about this in our text conversation since the game. This was a team that was supposed to have a top five defense. They have a Super Bowl winning coach in Sean Payton in his first year. They have a $200 plus million quarterback in Russell Wilson who started to look like he was taking back a little bit, uh, rather taking a step forward a little bit in the right direction from what they did last year where he was just awful and the team was just, you know, ungodly bad. Uh, but Malcolm, this point total in general, eight touchdowns between two running backs, 10 touchdowns. You had 10 extra points by the kicker for the Dolphins. He did not even have to kick a field goal and he got double digit points in the game out from just kicking extra points. Where do you, one, rank this in games, in dominant games you've seen in your lifetime? And two, where do you think this level of offensive production can take the Miami Dolphins? I I would rank this in my Rolodex, as I think, on the fly of the most dominant games. I, I think I would probably rank this right behind that Seattle-Denver Super Bowl with Legion of Boom completely dominating and blowout. But this 70 points, like I was telling you in the in our pre-production, I had to keep scrolling up on uh, fantasy just to make sure this wasn't a mistake. Like sometimes uh, the URL is incorrect or the whatever is incorrect. And I was shocked. However, um, this is an indictment on Sean Payton. It, it's the karma. Chicken's coming home to roost. He tried to pass the buck on the previous uh, coaching staff and look at what's coming to him. And then the second thing is um, that Russell Wilson, the let's ride Russell Wilson, uh, this is this is an indictment on him. He's the last of the Mohicans. At first it was Andrew Luck, then it's Cam Newton in his draft class, and now it's him. He's the last one. And this is kind of like what we said about Drew Brees. We had to say it for about four years straight that it's over. Yeah. If you're not seeing what we're seeing, by the time you figure it out, it's too late. It's over for Russell Wilson. He's overpaid. I think Sean Payton's a bit overpaid as well. And um, I think they're still riding on that who that Super Bowl and thinking that, oh, just be- it was all Sean Payton. No, it was the five wide receivers, the running back, uh, the defense, like that Didn't whole. Didn't they have Darren team. Sharper or Charles Woodson on that team? Absolutely. And as far as DBs is concerned. Yeah. Like, man, that team was absolutely stacked. And this Denver team, they still need to reload. But also, it might be an indictment on a John Elway. He can't analyze talent. We said this at the beginning of the year. Well, He's, I don't He has think, that Michael Jordan thing. I mean, we can't say they don't have to. Jared Judy and Cortland Sutton are two great receivers, Marvin. No, 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 no. The talent, the talent, what I'm talking about and the is defense the coaching. Is great. Well, that's what I'm saying it's is the coaching. This it's is, not the players. This is a it's product of poor coaching, correct? Poor coaching, Russell Wilson, Sean Payton. It's like those three elements right there have to either A, we got to reshuffle or do something different or B, start to look towards the future. But um, you're locked into both of these guys for the next half decade and half a billion dollars short. So you yeah. got to ride this thing out. I know it's an ugly win, but it's just or an ugly loss, excuse me, and possibly the worst loss we've ever seen. Yeah, um, but it's a regular season loss. And um, but in that division, mm-hmm. in the AFC West, it doesn't look like they're making the playoffs. No, I say that right now. There's no way. I don't, I, th- I think you're lucky, honestly, weirdly enough, in that division. If you get anyone besides the Chiefs making yeah, the playoffs, absolutely. Chargers but aren't making the playoffs. Now the absolutely. Chargers have been played, even though they did get their big win against the Vikings. Uh, we're not going to talk about that today, but. <laughs> More so with the say with the Broncos just before we get to the Dolphins mm-hmm. into this. Uh and also the second half of that question, where do you think 
the offense that the Dolphins have been showing this year? Where do you think this can ultimately take them? What's the ceiling on this Dolphin season? Realistically, legitimately, where are you feeling they're heading towards? Oh, I got them the second best offense in the AFC right behind Kansas City. Just because of the way Pat Mahomes manages that team, although the talent on Miami may be better mm-hmm. uh, with Tyreek Hill, Waddle, and uh, and Waddle didn't even play on Sunday. He was out in concussion protocol. Right. They had Robin Robbie Chosen, who we want to know as Robbie Anderson, and he had a good game. He came up from practice squad, and then they have you know Durham Smythe at uh, tight end and. The two running back combination between Mostert and A-Chain? A-Train? Oh, A-Chain. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they were incredible. And A-Chain actually had had the leading run day. The offensive line was blowing people out, man. You could drive a Mack truck through most of these holes. So it was amazing. Um, that was efficiency, but um, it's kudos to that whole entire Miami Dolphins staff with Magic Mike. Um, he was he was putting it on, and um, also their defensive coordinator as well uh, showed up as well and, and made it, sure it, that Fangio, yeah, mm-hmm, made sure that they it were was his revenge game against the Broncos who had just fired him. And a bit of a revenge game for Mike when he yeah. was up for coaching. They didn't even want to interview him. Yep. He started out as a ball boy. He's from Denver. Yep. They could have had him, yep. but they chose to go the other way. So this is Denver. Denver is going to be in a hole for the next five years. I and think, it's not going to be about the players. It's going to be about the coaches. I think with this coaching scheme, what you're seeing with like this reminds me big time 2016 Atlanta Falcons with Kyle Shanahan at the offensive helm where we were just dialing it up week after week. And you were well, saying Shanahan, it, but I think this Shanahan was and in Washington with Mike McDonald. Yeah. As was well Mike as, McDaniel, uh, yeah. Mike McDaniel. And, um, Oh yeah. McDonald, excuse me. And um, the Rams head coach as well. All of them were together. So yeah, they so all we played have, for Washington. They're all coached this, for Washington at one point together. This is all crossover with all of them. If you see how their coaching styles are, yeah. it's eerily similar. They'll no, run it's definitely the, the school of fault thought intersects in those mm-hmm. coaching trees. But mm-hmm. with this team, I think that, in my opinion, you know, this offense could take them to a Super Bowl, but realistically, I'm putting them AFC championship game losing to the Chiefs. But in all time rankings right now, I don't think it would be prisoner of the moment to say this is the best offense we've seen since the 2000s Los Angeles Rams best show of turf late 90s, 2000s, uh, just because. The Chiefs offense is so much more predicated just on Patrick Mahomes making plays to anyone. This team, you know, has a skill player at every spot, and it is crazy to see. And the line, I think, is so much more better than the line that Kansas City had in those years where Patrick was literally having to roll out and doing a lot more with his legs. This is a tank of an offense. This reminds me of that Kurt Warner, Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce offense with Marshall, Marshall Falk, Falk leaking out into the mm-hmm. flats. So now, the, the only thing I would say caused the pause with the Miami would be the other teams in the AFC. And I, I guess that when I saw, and we'll get to, um, well, actually we won't, but uh, when I saw the Ravens play this week, that was the only team I had against Miami because that was a strong win for Miami when they played New England. And I saw it then and I said, okay, this team is the team to be reckoned with. And then they go and they drop 70. So um, that would be the only two teams that I would say in the AFC to look out for potentially uh, tripping them up on a way to a Super Bowl because as we know it, the same old rule in the NFL going from uh, obscurity all the way to the big show is is rare. It's very rare. So, but also dropping 70 in a game is rare, too. So we might be you might be onto something, Pat. So just to take a little bit of a detour here. So Lamar Jackson yesterday tweeted and I'm going to show you this on our video, Malcolm, this picture of him and a famous old European painting of a person looking exasperated 
and it is in response to the Ravens' current injury. Offense, running back J.K. Dobbins, running back Justice Hill, running back Gus Edwards, running back Keaton Mitchell, wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., wide receiver Rashad Bateman, wide receiver Tylon Wallace, center Tyler Lindbaum, offensive guard Andrew Voorhees, left tackle Ronnie Staley, left uh, long snapper Nick Moore. Defensively, (laughs) Marlon Humphrey, cornerback, Damarian Williams, cornerback, Trayvon Mullen, cornerback, Marcus Williams, safety, Adarius Washington, safety, linebacker Adafo Awayu, linebacker David Ojabo, linebacker Malik Ham, and linebacker Tyus Bowser. So you're looking at over 10 people injured at one time in an NFL team, and they still were in that game. But right. that, 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 I only bring that up to say if the Dolphins don't have that, I think that is sky the limit for them the whole way. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we know how to play off games go. Things get yeah. weird. Uh, so we'll, we'll be looking out for them. I, I wouldn't mind seeing them uh, in the AFC Championship versus a Kansas City or them in a deep game versus Cincinnati and uh, pulling that out. And they've yeah. already they've already been in the playoffs before and mm-hmm. they beat Buffalo uh, yeah. before. So they, they have their battle tested. And you got to watch out for Buffalo, too. I forgot, you know, yeah. they might run into Buffalo as well. So no, AFC's tough road, back. but yeah. but they're a tank and they're ready to roll. They seem like they're they've gelled perfectly and they have yeah. one of the best weapons at wide receiver in Tyreek Hill. Yeah. So if Tua, if Tua's upright, uh, the sky's the limit. Well, my final game is going to be the complete opposite of that game with the Patriots and Jets and just a rainy affair that was disgusting to watch from disgusting performances and just a ton of sadness by the Jets. The fans not having it. One fan yelling, get the fuck off the field as his bottom teeth shoot out of his mouth, uh, (laughs) losing his dentures in the middle of it, the most New York thing possible multiple like shrouds and just chants of booze to Zach Wilson throughout the game. Terrible game by Zach Wilson. Even Uh, Peyton Manning was disgusted with Zach Wilson. Green Mike Greenberg on get up this morning came out and said in the third and uh, 10 that they had where it was, it led to the safety. They should have punted out of the end zone on third down. Mm -hmm. Just the worst possible Every possibly bad thing that could happen to the Jets this year has happened. You, had, you also had they no don't have it. another backup. They Mike White's throwing touchdowns in a seventy-point win in Miami. He threw I a love touchdown. Mike White. We love Mike White. We love White Mike. We love White Mike. He was fly, dog. But also Joe Namath even got up for whatever location and tweeted out that at some point you need to start looking at the coaching. And that made my eyes look up because I'm like, well, I don't think this is Robert Sala at all. (laughs) Robert Sala, I will say, is an amazing head coach. I agree. But you see how New York does. Well, yeah, but Robert Sala is the best head coach the Jets have had since Rex Ryan. (laughs) Clearly. Absolutely. But you see how they're going to go. This is only going to get worse. I don't think this is Nathaniel Hackett's issue at all fits because he can only call the plays out there. I think Zach Wilson is so inept at the NFL level of quarterback that he's not able to process things in the timely manner he needs to, to be able to get the ball to the right people at the right time. Garrett Wilson looked just extremely frustrated through the game. This is one of the best receivers in the league. He was the offensive. He's open. He was wide open, man. <laughs> he was wide open, but but they were they were a fingertip hail mary catch from winning the game. But that, that shouldn't that matter. But that that, that is, has to be said. I saw it and I said, "Oh my goodness, New York is going to kill this man." But they're going to kill this man. And it was Randall Cobb that almost <laughs> caught it. But uh, they haven't beaten the Patriots in the last fifteen games. Nope, that's insane. You can't call it a rivalry when you haven't beaten a team in the last 15 games. That's a hammer meeting a nail, Malcolm. I mean, this is ridiculous on every level. 
The Patriots in, they look awful. We knew they would look awful this year. They don't have a receiver. They don't have anybody. They should be literally winless right now. The Jets Mm -hmm. should be two and one and surprising everyone. Like this whole time, because I didn't think the Jets defense would lose that game and they lost that game. I mean that touchdown defense lost it. That touchdown he, reception to Pharaoh Brown, he leaked through right. Sauce Gardner and right to the end zone. That but was Pat, the difference you know how in the game was the that one touchdown. Hold on. This is you as a as a Falcons fan. We know, and I gotta bring this up with the Super Bowl. When you leave the defense out there yeah. forever, forever, eventually something like that is gonna happen because but that you touchdown have an was in play. the second quarter. You can't have your defense out there like that, Pat. Like, this is the NFL. It don't matter. Like, you have to sustain drives. It's Wilson. It was just nuts to me. But real quick, Malcolm, before we get to your games, you know, I don't think – I think the Jets are totally done this year. The Patriots are totally done. I thought this game was just interesting because it was going to possibly be the chance for the Jets to get one over on the Patriots – do you see the Jets winning a game against the Patriots in their next 15 matchups? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They're they're eventually going to get this quarterback situation taken care of. Their okay. defense is top five. In well, the we'll see if Matt Ryan or somebody starts for him next week because somebody's or, got oh, to come they back. Can, they get can go some, get Kaepernick. They're not going to get Kaepernick. No one. They, they could. They could. I, I know he's, he's better he's than still, Nick yeah. Foles. Well, yeah. He's better than Nick Foles. And he's well, better not, than it's not Nick Foles. They're the two that are considered are Carson Who? Wentz and Matt Ryans. So I know what you're saying. Yeah. No, Carson Wentz. <laughs> oh, really? They're I'm both going to be horrible. But I'm Wentz just saying, and Ryan? Yeah. Really? What, but, what, is, what is similar to those two guys? The white. Yeah. I know. Then yeah, you said bad and big foreheads. So you said it. Yeah, no, they're gonna lose. There's gonna be bad. But Malcolm, but in the next 15 games, they're gonna win one of the next 15 games. As long as Sauce Gardner's out there and and Quinnen Williams is out there, they're going to be able to squeak one game out. Is Robert Saleh is not gonna let let that slide anymore. Yeah, no, Robert Sala is a strong, strong. Sala, excuse yeah. me, Sala, Sala. So you wanted to get. To oh yeah, so the, I'll start. I'll start with my three. Yeah, uh, the, the the first the first was the the Forty Niners and New York Giants, and I think I don't think people are talking enough about the Niners, just how balanced they are. They're how juggernaut. Dominant, juggernaut. How dominant their wins are, and I got to give it up to Brock Purdy again. I, I'm gonna say it again and again. Um, Queen Creek's very own. Um, he hasn't I lost a regular in, season game yet in his starting career, and but the, the way he's playing is efficient man. they've scored like, 30 points in all three games 30 exactly on the head they went and, 30 to 7 against the Steelers 30 yeah. to 23 against the Rams and then 30 to 12 against the Giants and although this was kind of like a gimme game because the Giants are going through their own internal problems they didn't have Saquon yep, Saquon out um, with the ankle injury yeah, and that was an ugly-looking ankle injury. I think it's a little bit more than just an ankle. It's a high so, ankle issue, so that's never good. And Danny Dimes, I think, is overpaid as well. So uh, the Niners are rightfully, I think, the inside track for the NFC Championship game, and I think it'll be a repeat, of course, Niners-Philly. Um, we'll see how that plays out. But um, this game was completely dominant. I, I'm I'm interested to see what your perspective is on the Niners. And do you think they're not uh, being talked about enough? Or I think what, what do you think about the Niners? I think they're at the level a lot of people projected them to be mm-hmm. in this year. You know, I have them going to the Super Bowl, and I, I think still they're better think this year than they were last year. Oh, definitely, I do too. But I think that people have recognized that progression. Is what I'm saying, and had okay. them as a top tier team in the NFC, if not only behind the Eagles, behind no one. I don't think they're behind anyone, and I think they're a super Uh strong juggernaut offensively, but mainly in that pass rush, there's no one better in the NFL. Absolutely. So my second game, we'll get to this uh, early, with the Bears in Kansas City. I was the one, last one, me, Bill Murray, holding down the fort 
for the Bears, but it's all kinds of bad things happen with Chicago. You got Fields calling out coaching and then being misinterpreted in, in Chicago fashion. You got the D coordinator leaving, being uh, his house being raided by the FBI. You also got um, the Bears having lawnmower equipment stolen, $100,000 worth of equipment stolen from a, a facility that's 24 hours under surveillance. That was a crazy story. <laughs> That was a crazy And they get completely destroyed by Kansas City. It wasn't as if this is out of the norm. Um, What what are your thoughts on this? I think the sky is falling on on, on the Bears, and they're even thinking about benching fields and bringing in Peter Mann. Peter Mann is the guy. I think they might move Justin Fields and try to draft uh, Caleb Williams with the first overall pick if they can get Mm. it. I think that's... That's where the Cardinals and the Bears are, where they're going to cut ties with their young, quick quarterback. And, uh, you know, like Atlanta would want Justin Fields. I mean, I don't know if you look at that draft class with Fields and all that. It's not a great like Mm. it's Trevor Lawrence and that's it. Everyone else is possibly regulated to second chance or perennial journeyman at this point. So. Uh, the Bears are the Bears. You called it. It's over. All yeah. Uncle Ronald and, you know, my cousin, Dustin and everybody, they say they look like a JV team, like some cats out there in some pretty jerseys. You know, yeah. they're making they're making uh, Jack Newells and things like that. They're yeah. over with. It's over. Yeah. Um, Kansas City is rolling kind of like what we, we talked about at the beginning of the preseason. They had a little sputter at the beginning. Uh, they got blown out. But. Maybe the brightness is right before the, the the darkest before the dawn because the Bears play Denver next week. Yep. And we'll see how that goes. Somebody has to win. So the last game that I liked for this uh week three was the Cardinals Dallas. And yeah. um when I was actually in church doing some media, um one of my co- co-workers was telling me that the Cardinals have never or the Dallas has never beaten the Cardinals in mm-hmm. our stadium here at home since it's been made. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And we we haven't had a win all season. <laughs> so why not? And lo and behold, Dak doing Dak things. Of course, Diggs uh, getting his ACL torn. That's unfortunate. But that's that black cat going with Dallas. You know, you don't wish it on anybody, but mm-hmm. It's like right on cue for them. And uh, Cardinals pulled out their first win of the season. And Dobbs is looking like an all pro. So uh, yeah. Cardinals got their win. And now they can continue to losing trains so that we can either get Caleb Williams or Marvin Harrison Jr. But what was your thoughts on Cardinals and in specifically Dallas? Is this sign of things to come? Or is this just a bump in the road? What's up with Dak? I think with that's what I was about to say. I think Dallas's problems stem more from the offensive end in that game. Defensively, yeah, they let up a lot, a lot of receiving yards they shouldn't have. Um, but Dallas has to continue to run the ball with Tony Pollard when he's hot like that, getting 5.3 yards to carry. Uh, Dak throwing in no man's land multiple times of the game. He's just got to get that under control somehow, but you know, that's something that's hard to teach a guy out of, uh, but he's in his sixth or seventh year. Yeah. And people are saying they like his progression. Yeah. No, he's it's in his tough. sixth or seventh yeah. year, Pat. No, it's tough, but uh, kudos to Joshua Dobbs and this Cardinals team playing hard. James Conner got one. getting, well, they got one. That's more than Chicago and <laughs> Minnesota have. <laughs> Uh, they both are winless. So, no, I think it was an interesting game. Uh, I don't know if it's as telling for the Dallas defense moving forward. I think they will bounce back. It's a strong defensive unit, even without Trayvon Diggs, who did suffer that untimely injury. But mm. uh, I think this was a one-off more than kind of a trendsetter. The Cardinals have played everybody this year very, very close Uh to a certain point. I mean, they almost beat the giants, which they mm-hmm. should have beaten them. They almost beat the commanders in week one. Should have so, beat them. So they got a win in week three. I mean, they might be better than we thought, but 
well, those are all our games we did, wanted to touch on from the Sunday slate of football. We've got the Monday night games just kicking off now. Uh, but real quick before we get out of here, we'll discuss real quick the Lions Packers battle for the tie uh, for the top of the NFC North right now, Malcolm, with the Packers leading that division uh, at two and one. Uh, well, actually, I think technically the Lions win over the Falcons shifted them, but since the Falcons beat the Packers last week, but. Two two and one teams in the NFC North come in. One will leave three and one. One will leave two and two. Who do you got, Malcolm? I'm gonna roll with Detroit. Um, even though I like the way Jordan Love is playing, I, I really love the coaching staff in Detroit. I believe they put in the work. They earned it, uh, or they are going to earn it. Uh, the acquisition of 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 Montgomery to me uh, is something that's flying under the radar. Adding balance with Amon St. Ra. And um, I I really do like this Detroit team. They're a little bit more grittier than I anticipated. Um, And I believe they'll be able to pull out a win and be able to keep rolling. And eventually we lead them to uh, the AFC North championship and, and get that championship and feel comfortable and make Barry Sanders smirk a little bit. But uh, other than that, I kind of put them in the same position as the Atlanta Falcons. They're going to win their division. You know, they're going to get that that happiness. And then the playoffs are going to start and and the realness will happen. I I think Detroit may win one playoff game. I'm not too sure about what Atlanta is going to do because Atlanta might get matched up versus the 49ers. And it, it is what it is. No, I've got the Lions, too. I mean, I predict them to win the NFC North this year. I think they'll get a big win in Lambeau, which is something they don't do often. Uh, Jordan Love and this Packers team's playing well, but I just think this Lions team's very well coached. They've got a great game plan. They've got great scheme. They've got great skill players. They've got great interior players. It's a strong team from top to bottom, and I think they're going to really prove a lot of people wrong this year and go a little bit further than even people think. I think they are definitely a dark horse in the NFC playoff picture. We're even only three weeks in, but I think this game's going to be very fun to watch, so make sure you guys catch that game on Thursday night. But as always for the Sports the Show, I'm DJ Pat Nassi, and I'm here with... Malcolm Marzette. And we will catch you guys next time on the Sports The Show. Pharmaceuticals could get you a key. No security in the club, just my pistol and me. Even though these bullets expensive, I'ma hit you for free. Got these long missiles with me that'll rip through your V. Hit you with three. Let's see who loves you unconditionally.
different from a star, I look different from a far aim. That's a spliffy spark, some shit to keep my heart racing. Should be full of frauds and listen to the false claim. I took the fall, was tripping cause I lost patience. But I got shit resolved, a bit I need to solve waiting. Ain't no quick results, given what you gone taking. Pete, we drifted off, but really you was soft hating. I keep my mitt involved, the mittens off for raw flame. You know the biggest dogs get chicken with they paws shaking. Can't be living long, we living for the large payment. I swear I rip my wrongs and writings I perform aching. Every bit of song and scribble that I thought of saving. I'm writing down everything you say in my mind. Since a shorty, it was up. I would blush, always acting tough, could call me on my bluff. As a kid, I thought this is what it was. Living how I want, but it wasn't giving him enough. It's different from how I thought it would have been when I grew up. I still got some shit to overcome. Took a plunge, came back up above to take a part for some haze in the vanilla dodge. Gotta save my lungs while I'm young. Just in case it's too late to adjust Something sacred faded from What I was made up of I lost my native tongue It's part of the way I was Why I memorized every line When every day begun And every day was done I still forget at times It's the lie getting fried Made me forget my rhymes At times it made him dumb Less energized with every blunt But all side effects aside It tend to mend my mind Left it mesmerized It made it fun What you trying to save me from Work to 10 to 9 10 a.m. to 9 a.m. But don't remember why Spent my time at the venue getting high Just remember always settle up Before you said goodbye Oh, shit. 